to Redeemer Core Team Development. Man, glad you guys are here. Uh, it's especially good to see the Birchfield, Shane, Landon, kids. Glad you guys are here. Hey, why don't you just uh, bow your heads with me and join me and we'll pray as we begin this morning. Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that uh, you alone are God. You are God and there is none like you. And you have brought us to this place um, this morning uh, that you might accomplish your purpose. So that is our prayer this morning, that, that you would accomplish your purpose in our lives and in this uh, community. We ask that you would give... Uh, leadership and direction by your Holy Spirit to Shane as he teaches this morning. Father, I pray that our hearts and ears will be attentive and teachable and led in that by your Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray in the name that's above every other name, Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we're going to sing a song to get going. Hopefully you know this one. Come be sinners.
look like Louis Giglio up here sitting on there with my stool, so my Louis stool. So, actually, she didn't say that you look that's her like Louis Giglio. She said that having a stool is like that's her okay. <laughs> Same. I've got I've got some comments for you later. <laughs> well, guys, it's good to be back here. It's been a few weeks, but it's nice to come back and see some friendly faces and hang out with you guys a little bit today. And uh, I'm talking today about personal relationships, and this is going to be a broad overview. Basically, this is going to kind of expound on some of what like Chad is always already doing in your in your uh, community groups, I think. Y'all get, you guys are working through Acts. And, uh, and, and some of what we, we talk about today, like Logan, when he does family ministry, um, it'll be touched on some more. But uh, I think a lot of what, to the point of today, is just to sort of reinforce maybe some truths uh, that, that we already know and hope to. And uh, just sort of lay out some, some things, sort of a foundation type this for us as families, as individuals, and as a body uh, that calls itself Redeemer. Uh, so, personal relationships, I was telling Chad, I saw Chad at the, in uh, Louisville last weekend, I said, this is kind of hard for me to do because I feel like I'm going about this backwards in that I'm starting with a topic and working backwards rather than starting with a text and, uh, and going forward from there. But... Um, we'll give it a go here. Uh, hopefully it will make sense. Uh, hopefully I won't uh, skew any heresy today or anything like that. And um, uh, i got several passages of scripture for us to look at and uh, some uh, other things. And uh, so I will uh, pray again and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. So let's, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Lord, and I pray and confess that apart from you, we know nothing, are nothing, can do nothing. So I pray that by your Spirit, you would come and just help me today as I teach that this lesson would be fruitful and beneficial to us as a fleshly body. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Um, before Genesis 1-1 was ever recorded, was ever written, a relationship existed. What was that relationship? We'll have a little bit of interaction today, so it's okay uh, to talk back to me today. So, um, the Trinity. The Trinity, exactly. Yeah, a relationship exist, existed in the Trinity that was complete in authority, in submission, in strength, in humility, in wisdom, in power. It was the absolute perfect relationship. So from the very beginning of time, before time as we know exists, a relationship existed. And much of what we are today as, individual, as individuals is because of relationships. Uh, relationships help shape us, they influence us, they form much of what we think, of how we feel, uh, they, they influence us in philosophy, in terms of our worldview. Relationships have all kinds of effects on us, some good, sometimes not so good. So there's endless ways that relationships affect us. 
And um, I think we can all agree that relationships do matter and that at our very core we desire, if nothing else, to have relationships. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when nothing is left and all has been stripped away, uh, what we cling to the longest and the hardest are those relationships or the past memories of those relationships that we've had. And I can speak about this. Um, just uh, a week ago today, my grandfather passed away and we had his funeral. And it's amazing, you know, probably everybody in here has been to a funeral and the pastor gets up and speaks. And what he talks about, he doesn't get up and talk about Oh, he did this, or, oh, you know, he climbed Mount Everest or whatever. You know, he talks about the people that he influenced, the people that were important to him, the lives that he touched. And what a way to be remembered. Um, at the end of your life, that you're lying in the casket and someone is there talking about you. And one of the best things, I think, that can be said is how you influence others through relationships. And uh, so, what does that mean for us today? Um, um, let's first start, and you guys can help me out in this, and I hope you do. Uh, this is where I want you guys to talk back. Uh, look at some uh, by looking at some uh, different examples of relationships throughout Scripture. Just uh, as they come to you. As you think of some, just shout them out there. Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Naomi. That's one that I have. That's a classic one. That's one that I had written down. Yeah. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. The very first relationship started out good. Went south. Ended up okay, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> Others. You can think of a big one from the New Testament. Jesus and the disciples. Yeah, classic relationship there. Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, another one. David and Jonathan. David and John. Man, you guys are going right down my list. Yeah, yeah. What about some not so good ones? David and Absalom. Absalom, David and Saul. Pretty much David and a lot of other. <laughs> <laughs> I did have David and Jonathan, though. Samson and Delilah. Mm-hmm. That one didn't end up so well. Cain and Abel. That's another one. Yeah, you guys. Man. Great minds think like that. Ehud and Eglon. <laughs> sharpening in the Lord. Yeah. And in the bad ones, there's not. Yeah. And be careful who you marry. Are you saying something there? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
hopefully Columbine, you have chosen once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's just about choosing your spouse wisely, though, because of just reading about how they've gone wrong whenever they get listen, if they disobeyed God and they went out of places where they're supposed to choose their spouse. What would you have that? Yeah, guidance, I think, is a big... I think that's what Lana's getting at, too. You know, we can <clears throat> really learn, and they can guide and direct us today and even into the future uh, towards one another as a body, um, engaging with those around us, even even engaging with those who would be hostile towards us. Uh, there was no shortage of hostility that Christ and Paul and others met uh, during their life on earth. So, um, so... Uh, we'll dive into the first point here. I've got five of them. If you're uh, if you're keeping uh, keeping count, and uh, we'll look at uh, these five, and some of these uh, have some sub points. But uh, the first one is uh, family relationships. And um, you can go ahead and uh, put the. Chet's got our spouse. Yeah, uh, in my notes, I actually wrote our wife because. A lot of this information is applicable for husbands and wives, but I kind of geared this towards the guys in the room. And um, you guys um, who are married here today, or who hope to someday be married, I want to introduce to you, or reintroduce to you, the most important woman you will ever meet, and I'm not referring to your mother, okay? Okay. <laughs> They're in this room. It's your wife. Okay? And uh, let's read Genesis 2.18. It said, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And now, there's a, in that short verse there, there's a lot of information that's packed in there uh, about that helper. And uh, there's four things uh, that... I want to mention about that, specifically uh, about wives. Uh, one is she is a counselor. Uh, she knows us. Uh, she loves us. She has our best interests at heart. Um, you know, she counsels to us. Uh, another one is that she is a critic, uh, and oftentimes deservedly so. Uh, she knows how to approach us. She knows our weaknesses. She knows our nuances. She knows our little picadillos or whatever. And um, I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, I just made it one. It's a cafeteria. But ultimately, she wants us to do better. Uh, she wants the relationship to grow. She wants to see us uh, as husbands, as fathers, do better. Uh, She's our confidant, uh, not confidant, uh, but confidant. Uh, she is trustworthy. Uh, she is reliable. We confide in her. And uh, she carries guys more than just the kids and the groceries. All right? She carries the burdens that we carry. And, uh, and this can be particularly important in terms of building and developing new relationships um, or existing complex relationships. I know we've all got that one friend 
who's always got something wrong, you know, and, you know, and you just, you talk to them, and you're ready to put a gun to your head after you get done talking to them, and, and so, you, you know, you just, you got to have somebody to talk to, and so who do you go to? You go to your spouse, and, uh, and you know, she can, uh, at least in, in terms of, you know, I can speak for Lana, you know, she's, she's like, she can really ground me, and, uh, kind of bring me back down and, you know, and calm me down and calm my nerves and things like that. And, uh, and, uh, and in our context here, you know, we're, we're small. Uh, we're, we're young. We're babies. We're going to be meeting lots of new people. And, uh, you know, and some of them are probably going to break our hearts. And uh, we're going to weep over some of these people. And, uh, you know, we're going to pray for these people. And, you know, and some of them just may or may not have anything to do with us. And, you know, it's going to bother us. And, and it's great to not have to carry that burden uh, alone. And uh, that leads me to the last part there. She's our comfort. Uh, she's our support, a source of strength and encouragement. And helps us keep our focus where it should be, and that's on Christ. Uh, Christ our Lord, Christ our Savior. Go to Ephesians 5.25 now. And kind of look at the other side of the coin to this. And this is, you guys probably, uh, you, know, you guys know this verse. This is uh, right after Paul is talking about wives and submission and things like that. But then, and that's where, like where I'm from, they only read like verses 22, 23, and 24, and the guys kind of end it right there and think, all right, woman, go make me a sandwich. Thing. You know, that's how they treat it. But Christ doesn't stop, or Paul, sorry, Paul doesn't stop right there. Uh, he picks it up in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And guys, we don't go off and leave our wife. And I, obviously, I don't mean that uh, physically, but I think spiritually, there's a spiritual aspect that, to that as well, that we just we don't run off and leave them behind like we've arrived at a point and, and they're still trying to catch up. Um, we love her and care for her as Christ loved the church. We lay down our life for her. I think about... Chet, maybe you can help me out here. Last year... Uh, Chet and I were in India, and you've all heard of the great missionary William Carey, and we had the privilege to go to the school that he founded, and we got to go to Carey Baptist Church, which is uh, a light in a very dark part of the world, and we got to go see the artifacts, and I mean, he did a lot, you know, he translated the Bible in multiple languages um, for people who had never seen it before. Uh, but there is sort of a stain, I think, on his reputation, and that's the relationship he had with his wife. And John Piper made a comment one time, and I think I agree with this. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I know I agree with this, talking about how for all the good that Carrie did, you know, there's still that sort of stain in that basically he made no... He felt like Carrie was wrong to treat his wife the way he did. And, you know, he was referring back to Ephesians 5.25 and that you love your wife and you lay down your life for her and that you don't 
don't uh, basically tie her up and drag her along without, you know, you know, when, when she's opposed to something. And, um, you know, thinking about going to uh, like seminary, for example, or even coming up here to Champaign, you know, I, uh, yes, I, I lead, and, um, and yes, Lana will follow, but that doesn't mean I don't take into consideration her thoughts and feelings and, every, and you know, and her emotions and and just what I feel like is in the best interest of our family. And, uh, and she trusts me in that because uh, I'm not going to put her in a box and tie her up and say, woman, this is what we're doing, whether you like it or not. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that's just an aspect to, uh, to be considered there. Uh, your, your relationship with your wife is... Uh, going to come before, should come before, in relationship with anybody else, outside of Christ, obviously, but, um, so, anyway, uh, so, after uh, our spouse, uh, we'll look at our home, and uh, this gets into the area of practicing hospitality, and uh, by this, by practicing hospitality, I, I don't mean to imply that uh, we simply invite people over to our house to have a party. Uh, I think it goes beyond that. <clears throat> hospitality uh, means that we draw people in and we make them feel comfortable and cared for. Uh, I think that's that's what we're that's our aim there. That's that's what our goal is. And without a doubt, many people, uh, you guys are already experiencing this. I think. Uh, some, uh, having some non-believers joining in your community group, uh, people have been drawn in and drawn to Christ by an interest that has been put in them by another godly person uh, who has been willing to open up their home and just show them that, hey, uh, you're cared for. Uh, you know, we have a genuine interest in you. Uh, there's an authenticity uh to this relationship, you know, it's just not something superficial, and uh, and and just like that, you care for them and, and are, want to try to minister to those who are who are lonely, uh, who are deprived, uh, who feel helpless. I think that's a very very powerful witness on our part, and it's a distinct call on, on each of us uh, to do. After that, managing our family. Basically, making our family a priority has to be implemented early and often. Uh, it's often easier said than done because we get so busy, and it is hard to accomplish uh, without just making the time and making the effort to do it. But if our ministry, if our work, if our extracurricular activities, whatever, uh, is constantly in getting in the way of family time, of family activities, then I think we have to give something up. Uh, it's, time to, it's, it's time at that point to reevaluate. Like, what are my priorities? Um, I think family is our first priority, is our first responsibility, and it virtually trumps uh, whatever else we've got going on. This is not 
to say that one is lazy or careless. I think it's just putting in perspective a right understanding of where our priorities lie. Guarding that time is so important, at least in our house is. There's, we have a neighbor, a good friend of mine. I've known him for several years, but he magically arrives at our door Every Sunday afternoon, as soon, this is what we do on Sunday. We, after we get home from church, we get our lunch, we usually always have a movie, and like, we close the curtains and have our food and, and hit the play button on the DVD, and then knock, knock, knock. And they're just like, <laughs> and this, is, this has been ongoing for several weeks in a row. And I think Addison, bless her heart, she finally realized I was starting to get a little bit exasperated <laughs> and even actually said something to the guy. But <laughs> so he might have he might have indirectly got the point. But the point is, you know, it's just like that that's our time. I mean, and I want to guard that time uh, as best I can. And uh, you know, Quite honestly, you know, I just felt like we were always being interrupted. So, you know, so guard that time is what I'm trying to tell you. You know, you can politely and uh, lovingly, you know, tell somebody, it's like, hey, we're sitting down, we're having lunch, you know, we're about to watch a movie, whatever, you know, come back later or I'll call you after a while. There's a there's a right way to go about doing that, but... Um, because if I didn't, then, you know, he would just kind of come in and plop down on the couch and make himself at home and start going through the refrigerator or whatever else, you know. And I'm thinking, dude, you got to go. So, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things like that, you know, date nights, um, daddy-daughter dates, or father-son outings. Um, you know, Dr. Pennington is a professor that only Chet and I in this room, or Kayla, uh, no, any idea who I'm talking about there. But he said something one time that I thought was really, uh, really amazing. He talked about making deposits in our kids' hearts rather than always uh, making uh, withdrawals. So uh, uh, I, I, that's just something that's really stuck with me, you know. And, and, and when we think about our relationship with our, with our wife, with our spouse, uh, with our children, you know, always looking to make deposits into their hearts uh, and not constantly taking and asking and withdrawing from them. Obviously, there will be exceptions to this. You know, obviously, emergency situations arise. And, um, but generally, people don't make policies based on those rare situations or those exceptions, and I don't think we should make family time or family act, base family act, activities or time based on that rare situation that might happen. Um, so, and then one other thing here I have is uh, family devotionals, and this is just an invaluable way of guarding your family and spending time with the Lord uh, as a unit. And it can be done in a variety of ways. Um, you know, there's, I don't know if there's an uh, exact, perfect, dogmatic way that you have to do this. You know, we, we mix it up. We, we do scripture reading, we do prayer time, we do Bible stories. You know, you guys can do that. Um, um, 
you know, however you see fit for your family. But uh, the reason I'm harping on, you know, and this is why I made this the number one point is um, because ultimately I think our family, both physically and spiritually, is our primary responsibility. It's it's not this congregation. It's a, it's not a job. It's Jim. It's not even Oklahoma football. Um, <laughs> as much as you think it is. Uh, <laughs> but it's, Where's the verse on this? Show me some scripture. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in the uh, second Maccabees. So, so um, you know, never have you heard, I don't think you have, I hope you haven't, have you heard a dying person say, I wished I had played more golf. I wished I had spent more time at the office. I don't think you've ever heard anybody say that, and I feel sorry for the person that, if they have, but people will most often say, I wish, I wish, I wish I had spent more time with my family. And when family relationships are made a priority, I think we can look back over our lives without all those many regrets. Point number two, mentoring and discipleship. So let's go to Philippians 2. Get to it here. Verses 20 and 22. no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven work how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. And so I think it's pretty obvious from the life of Timothy that mentoring and discipleship was done very well. I mean it started early and it was often. It started with his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice, and then it continued for 10 or so years uh, with Paul. And uh, evidently, Paul and Timothy had a really close relationship. And if we turn over to Acts uh, 16, verses 1 through 3, we can, uh, we can see uh, some of that. And uh, so Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, but Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places where they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, I'm not advocating that we go around circumcising one another. Alright? But uh, I think we see here uh, from Paul's relationship with Timothy um, a mentoring discipleship type of relationship. There's This can take form in, in several ways. You think a mother to a daughter, a uh, mature uh, older woman to a, to, a, to a younger woman, a mature layman to a new believer, um, you know, a good youth pastor to maybe some uh, some people in his youth group, you know, internship programs, apprentice programs. There's 
you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can mentor and, and disciple. And what we are doing in that is grounding others in the basics of, of the gospel and theological concepts and, and into practical areas like how to be a, how to be a husband, how to be a good father, uh, how to be a good employer, how to be a good employee, how to be an evangelist. John MacArthur said something to the effect one time, he said there's um, bound to be someone on this planet who knows less than you do about Jesus. Go find that person and tell them what you know. So, uh, uh, you know, that's just kind of classic McCarthyian advice there, you know. And, uh, and, and we look at the life of Paul and Timothy, and we look at Christ and the disciples, and we have classic, I mean, the greatest example uh, of what mentoring and, and discipleship looks like. And... Um, yeah, so we, we, we look to them and how they did it as an example to us how we can do it uh, today. One caution needs to be mentioned in this, though, in that uh, particularly in the case of like a new believer, um, could be apt to believe basically anything that you say. So that puts responsibility on us as the mentor or the discipler on them as well, um, intentional or not, uh, someone that's new to all of this will likely believe everything that we have to say, and that could lead to a road, lead down a road of heresy or cultic teaching or immoral behavior or, or unethical behavior or what. So we have to really guard ourselves in that in making sure that every step along the way is squarely based on Scripture. And uh, and it's also, I think, a nice reminder to each of us to think we're never too old to learn from somebody else. And, um, and we should always be looking for someone else to pass along what we've learned. Uh, and it's a torch, you know. It's a torch that should be continuously passed from one generation to the next. Number three: evangelism and outreach. Second Timothy four five. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Wilson Carlisle said, Evangelism is the perpetual task of the whole church, not the peculiar hobby of some of its members. Leighton Ford said, We are to evangelize, not because it is easy, not because we may be successful, but because Christ has called us. He is our Lord. We have no other choice but to obey Him. Now, on this campus, opportunities, I think, I think it's fair to say, abound all around us in all types of activities being used or whatever. And on this campus alone is a wide representation of ethnicities, of cultures, of races, of orientations. 
uh, of philosophies, of worldviews. And we look at all these people, different from us, and we think, man, something's wrong with them. Maybe. But oftentimes, we might need to look inwardly and see if sometimes if the problem is not with us. Mark Driscoll uh, said something recently at a, at a conference to the effect about, about how we as Christians, we do all this Christian stuff, talking our Christian ease, Christian language, we sit on our Christian couches, watching Christian television, we drive to work, listening to Christian radio, in our Christian cars, go to our Christian job, you know, wearing our Christian underwear, and um, and then we encounter somebody who's not like us, who has purple spiked hair or tats and pierces, or they've got a different skin color, and then they burst our little Christian bubble, and we think, oh my gosh, what's going on? Somebody should go and talk to them. Somebody should go check them out. Guys, that's me. That's you. That's what Timothy, I think, is getting there, doing the work of an evangelist, fulfilling our call. Um, as we become more and more acquainted with people, people who don't dress like us, who don't talk like us, um, you know, who don't look like us. Um, you know, these are people who are made in the image of God, same as you and I. And what we have is an answer that they're looking for. Or maybe they're not looking for it. I don't know. But, I think we have the only message that can bring them out of spiritual darkness and into a light-bearing life of God-glorifying, joyful passion. Um, you know, we, we walk around like we own this verse here, and then we just kind of sit on it and, 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 and think, yeah, that's right. Now go do that, somebody. You know, <laughs> that somebody is us. And it's not easy. Um, you know, I'm the world's, I'll be the, I'll raise my hand the highest saying I'm the worst at it. I'm the hypocrite in the rain. And, uh, but man, you know, we're looking for people to engage. We're looking to share with them this, this truth, this life-altering truth. And um, it's not going to be easy. Nobody ever said it was going to be. If it was easy, then anybody would do it. So, um, but people rejoice. Angels rejoice in heaven when a sinner repents. And it's just our calling. It's something we have to do. Engaging people. People who are definitely um, don't look and think like we do. So. Number four. Community involvement. Is that what we have there? 
go to Matthew 5, 13-16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. Simply put, community should know that we exist. Uh, in this passage, Christ calls on us to be influencers of the lost world around us. We're all born, um, I think we're all born, Jim might have been hatched, I'm Amen. not sure about that. <laughs> but, uh, Actually, I believe I mentioned that the other night in the community group, about being hatched. Okay. Well, they're good, Thank you, Jim. Now I've lost completely my bed here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so people are born. We agree. Most of them live. They all live. And they all die. Most of them, no <coughs> reason to why they were ever even here. Uh, Paul calls on us to shine as brilliant stars in a dark universe. But there, it's pretty hard to do that we're isolated among ourselves. Um, we must form relationships and associations with the lost and speak truth into their life and even when possible minister to their physical needs. And we can accomplish this several different ways. We can accomplish this individually. We can accomplish this as a body. We can accomplish this by partnering or cooperating with other like-minded bodies like within the SBC or within another church planning network or other non-SBC organizations. Uh, what we want to avoid is not supporting or not partnering, partnering with another ministry based on some sense of jealousy uh, or competition. And I think if we turn to... Uh, Philippians 1, 15 through 18. I'll read that. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others do from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Before we respond negatively against another ministry, I think we should carefully examine ourselves first and ask, why are we striking out against them? Is it because of jealousy? Uh, or is there a genuine reason for concern? To see others succeed in God-glorifying ministry should cause us to rejoice uh, with them because it benefits the church as a whole. Um, when our focus is on the glory of Christ and away from our own self-serving interests, uh, that really takes out, eliminates all the room 
that there was for uh, jealousy and competition. So, as Redeemer, as a body, uh, I think it is okay at times uh, to partner with others when we are in agreement on the cardinal doctrines of, 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 the, of our faith uh, in order to help develop relationships and have fellowship uh, with others in, in God-honoring activities. Now, there, that doesn't mean we always have to do that. Obviously, there will be times when we would do this ourselves. Um, but there's also times, I think, when we definitely would not partner or, or want to be involved in some sort of ministry or outreach event. Like, for example, we would never partner with Mormons or Buddhists uh, to have an outreach event. We would never partner with an organization that was um, took a strong stance in favor of, of gay marriage, uh, for example. Uh, we would not do anything with anybody that blurs the gospel, um, anybody that dismisses scripture as antiquated or irrelevant or um, lives by a works righteousness, a works righteous type of grace, uh, or anything like that. And we don't want to align ourselves with that. Um, we want to be as a body. We want to be salt and light. And we don't want to do anything that is going to confuse others uh, or create problems that would interfere with developing a relationship and that would ultimately prove to be negative uh, on the body uh, and on people. I have a question. Yeah. Okay. Um, community involvement. I just want to make sure I understand um, what kind of personal relationship is in, is involved in community involvement. The way that you presented it, the impression I have is that you're defining community involvement as Christians with other Christians doing something in the community. Is that how? Not necessarily. Okay, like an example I wondered is. And, and the word partner, I mean, I, I'm in agreement, we wouldn't want to be yoked. We would not want to be yoked with Mormons or somebody, or Buddhists or, you know, the Islamic center down the street in the sense of we're yoked with them, but is there an opportunity to cooperate with an organization that's not even Christian in, um, in order to be salt and light both in the community and to that organization, like the sorority next door to this house. What if they're, what if, what if it's not a Christian sorority? Okay, <clears throat> that's pretty clear. But what if their, their charitable work is um, with, I don't know, now I'm, now I'm drawing a blank, but let's say they have a charitable work to to adopt a highway. Adopt a highway. <laughs> yeah, adopt a highway. Can can we cooperate with them and say, hey, you know what? Our church wants to help you with your charitable work. You've adopted a highway. We just want to, when you guys are going to go out there and clean up our church wants to go with you and do that. It's, now we're 
we're cooperating with them, and they're not a Christian organization. They're going to blur the gospel, and they're probably not going to stand for the truth of the scriptures, but we're, in a sense, partnering with them for community involvement. Is, is that part of what's in view? I, I think that in this situation, we're blurring the two of these, the, you know, three, four, and that's fine. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Though they are clearly a non-Christian organization that's looking to do a charitable work, they're not advancing something that is contrary to the gospel. Uh, so in that case, it's fine, because one of our intentions in that is to do right. evangelism and outreach to that, sure. that group yeah. that we're serving alongside. Right. Now, if it's a group that is advancing something contrary to the gospel, yeah. then we limit our interaction with them. If it's if it's an an activity that's meant to be an opportunity, an outreach opportunity right. for them, yeah. then we don't do it. Sure, that, and that makes sense. But we would want to engage with them. We would right. want to develop relationships yeah. with them. But we wouldn't partner in the same sense to make it seem like we are promoting some yeah. sort of uh, inclusive, pluralistic worldview. And now the next question. I think we want to. Uh, I think we would be saying. A mixed message there, like you know, if, if there's an activity we partnered with the Islamic people, whatever you know, and people are coming to this and thinking, well, do you guys agree with what? Yeah, that's what we want to avoid. But if um, the let's say cleaning up Westside Park was a project that somebody was going to do, we could. We could join him in cleaning up what's that part. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, my next question is, how do we how do we apply community involvement on a personal level? In, at the beginning, you said we could do this personally or as a body. What does personal involve personal community involvement look like? What do you what do you have a view in mind? Is that, is that you know me serving on the library board or or you know? Or maybe our whole church doesn't go officially as Redeemer Church showing up as a group to yeah. Westside Park, but you know one or two people go to Westside Park. I think that's that's what I was implying there. Uh, you can do stuff apart from the body and still have and still advance the gospel and it still be beneficial to the body. And I think another aspect is this, that whenever we involve ourselves in projects, we don't involve ourselves in those just to make the name of Redeemer known, but we involve ourselves so that we can develop relationships. Yeah. So we can, you know, get involved with people. Yeah. Well, I think that what you're saying is that we're the goal is to spread the Because the body, the universal church is not benefited then. Uh, well, that's the block party we just did that we, yeah. we worked with. Um, Village Manor. No, the church. A lot of people from the other church were there. Oh, uh, the crossings. The crossings. Yeah. You know, people may choose, you know, if they talk to somebody from the crossings, they talk to them about their church, but you know, we're on the same, we believe the same thing as that church. Yeah. They weren't saying, well, you know, don't come to them. They're not from our 
So I think that, like, even the West Side Park example, you know, cleaning up West Side Park, our, our mission there is not just to clean up the park. Our mission there is in hopes to develop relationships and you know, to, to strike upon our core values of proclamation, you know, uh, of this strategy of developing relationships. I mean, that's our whole goal in going. And so it's just a matter of we need to be wise in how we can do that without compromising the gospel. Right. I think that, just like I was telling Chad about our block party, the block party didn't exist. For example, the block party didn't exist. This is, I'm, I'm thinking about the church where Atlanta and I attend in Louisville. Didn't exist just for the sake of having a block party, just so we could get our name out there and pat ourselves on the back. It was for what comes after the block party. It was for those relationships that were established and developed in those contexts that were made on that day, so that then the hope is that a relationship is formed through something like that. That then you can. Like, well, back to the Matthew 5 example of being salt and light. People can't give glory to God based upon our good works if they don't know why, what's motivating our good works. So it's always motivated towards proclamation, towards personal relationships, so that they might glorify God. All right. Good. Where are we on time, by the way? 11.15. Oh, is it time to... You got your final point. I got one more. I can do it quickly if I need to. Do your, do your point. All right, number five. Missions. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think just the point here uh, that I want to make quickly is that we want to strive to have a missional mindset. Um, and I think this is these questions, what you, when I was putting all this together, what I realized was, you know what, a lot of this stuff bleeds together. Um, but that we want to have a missional mindset, a missional vision uh, as a body. What does that mean? Uh, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go to another country uh, to do mission work. It can mean that, but it, it doesn't have to mean that. In relationship terms, it means seeing part of our mission as Redeemer Church to go into the parts all around us in order to preach, teach, and share the gospel. Uh, this can happen here on campus. It can happen in a, in a uh, community group. It, it can happen at, at your place of work. Um, um, it can happen anywhere. Uh, and as a body, I think that we want to be solidly supportive of missions uh, wherever they are taking place. If we are a body that has a heart for people, uh, then we, I think, will naturally have a heart for missions. Um, and I think that we want to teach and, and to live and to understand that missions is not something for a select few, but missions is the calling and uh, responsibility of every follower of Christ. And missions begins by engaging those right around us and developing a relationship with that family, with that person, with that organization, with that people group. Um, our desire is to see, I think I'm correct in this, 
uh, is to see lives transformed, and uh, and this will happen through a personal relationship, a personal relationship with Christ. Um, and uh, I believe it's our desire to see life, people's lives forever change through a relationship with the, through a relationship with Christ, through the power of the cross, through the power of God's word, through the power of the Spirit. Not through cheesy programs, not through uh, smoke and cool laser shows when we sing our songs or whatever, and uh, not through the bells and whistles and trick ponies, but uh, through relationships. Uh, I think we can uh, accomplish a lot uh, on making those relationships, uh, developing those relationships, and investing ourselves in the lives of others. One thing uh, I think Chet likes to do, uh, I just by coincidence happened to have this with me. I didn't even use it. I didn't. Even, I forgot I even had it. It happened to be in in the truck with me. But I know Chet likes to point out a resource. Ever if we can put a book in your hands um, that uh, you might find helpful and it's that's not uh, overwhelming in size or in price. But uh, Tim Lane and Paul Tripp put out a book called Relationships, uh, A Mess Worth Making. And uh, so we uh, uh, just commend the right word there. We commend this to you. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, feel free to stop by and look at this one. So you can get it on Amazon or wherever for pretty cheap. So um, that, I'll just stop right there. Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, just for this time that we've had together today. Thank you for the discussion, uh, the questions. And uh, Father, just uh, uh, help keep this to the forefront of our minds, Lord. Um, Father, we pray uh, to see your grace abound to those around us, Lord, through relationships, through outreach, through uh, community involvement, uh, through missions. Through the, through the power of your Spirit, uh, may you just guide us and direct us uh, as as people, as families, as as a body. We pray all this in the strong name of Christ. Amen. <coughs> Louis still hurting. So. <laughs> Well, hey guys, we don't often do this, but uh, thanks Shane for sharing. Uh, I, I feel like he has challenged us on a lot of levels with regards to personal relationships and the areas of our family relationships and the areas of discipleship, of evangelism, outreach, community involvement, and missions. And what I want us to do right now is to take five minutes to reflect upon our own relationships. Relationships right now that we need to make commitments to. Because we see that we were created to have, first of all, to have a relationship with God, but it's not good for man to be alone. We were created to have relationships with one another. And so we want to advance that. We want to be intentional in that. We want to give glory to God in that. And so it may be a time where you need to reflect upon your family, or maybe uh, a distant relative, maybe it's, it's a co-worker, or a friend, or something, but 
we're going we're gonna to take five minutes and we're going to play a song. And I want you to prayerfully consider how you need to make a commitment to a certain person or a certain group of people. And then we'll come back and we'll run a little short on time. Just have a few people share and then we'll close in prayer. But I hope that as we move on to the park even later on, that we might be intentional about sharing these commitments so that we can have people hold us accountable in these relationships. So let's take time and uh, just reflect on this right now.
so personal relationships is anybody like to share what the Lord has laid on their hearts particular people how we can be praying for you in that sure I have uh, two or three co-workers Matt, Corey, and Mike who uh, I'm sure shoot the bull a lot and we talked here and there about going out for dinner after work once or twice a week, a month, and never done it. So I want to try to start engaging them, building relationships, and going out to eat with them, just getting to know them better for opportunities to share the gospel. I've been challenged recently both by um, Shane's teaching this morning on family relationships, and especially um, the, the teaching about uh, our spouses, and then also um, a book that some of the guys are going through called Disciplines of a Godly Man. A couple weeks ago it was um, Discipline of Marriage, and, and it took out Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands Love Your Wives, as Christ Loved the Church, and He Must Have Loved for Her. Um, and it focused, there was one section that focused on having a sanctifying love mm-hmm. for our wives, and I was really challenged by that to, to um, be used by Christ in my love for Judy in a sanctifying way. And in that book, to ask the question, you know, is your wife, I don't know if it's exactly this way, but it was pretty close, this is a paraphrase, is your wife walking, is her relationship with Christ enriched because of you? And so that was a, that was a challenge for me and a commitment uh, that I want to make to have a more of a sanctifying love for my wife, and so you guys don't have to ask her if I'm doing that. Um, uh, so that's one thing. And then uh, my neighbors across the street, Jeff and Jessica Pickett, uh, you know, I've, I've been wanting to reach them, and I've, I've been hot and cold at that. You know, sometimes I've been really excited about doing it, and other times I haven't even looked in their direction. But God keeps putting them in our, um, putting them in my path, uh, uh, so much so that Jeff invited me to do a ride-along with him. He's a champagne policeman. He invited me to do a ride-along when he's on patrol some night. Uh, James knows we ran into him at Walmart the other day, and they were asking if we'd be willing to, you know, kind of watch their dog a little bit while they're on vacation. And just God keeps putting them in our path, and I want to be faithful uh, to continue to reach out to them. Two, two areas. I just want to echo what Jim said about his wife in particular, <clears throat> because Phyllis unfortunately gets my leftovers a lot. And uh, so please pray for, for me and leading my family, particularly my wife, well. And help us out. <laughs> we, we'd love to have a date night. We really would. <laughs> so uh, ask us about it, volunteer, you know, whether it's pass around sign up sheets or whatever on Thursday nights. And <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be really great. Um, yeah. Maybe one more, and then we'll pray. I think being a mom living and having young children, I think, I mean, I truly believe that my ministry, my primary ministry right now, where I am witnessing to is my children, my family. I truly believe that I had a hard time at first thinking, well, I'm not involved in all this stuff. And then, you know, I was, I read Jane Arnold's book, and I was just, you know, talking to people. But no, you know, that you're doing what you need to be doing. This is your ministry. Ministry you're going to have right here, right now. But I think it's so 
easy for me to make the excuse, when my children get older, then I will do this with the missing stuff. You know, I just can't do anything right now. You know, well, I can't go talk to that person. You know, I've got all the kids with me. And it's so easy. I can easily get out of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just the, oh, I can't do that. So my struggle is to find ways to do that with them. Not to use them as an excuse, but to, you know, use them maybe to witness to other young mothers or to people who who would need a night out, you know, that that's a huge thing to offer someone, you know. All them in that process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to have some a sounding board, you know. Like, you know, because we need wine. We've got to get it out and husbands want to fix it. And so that's just that's what men do. And, you know, wives just like to you know, just the the you know, that's the job we to each other about your know, kids things. So I think that that is my struggle. Well, I encourage you guys, like, as we go to the park and in the days to come, to think seriously about these relationships and make a commitment to tell someone else about it so that they can hold you accountable in it. You know, it's it's really easy for us to be moved by preaching or teaching and what's being said, but oftentimes we don't move ourselves far enough to make a commitment and to, to open ourselves up to accountability. So please make sure that you're sharing with someone else. Uh, why don't we stand, and I want to offer this scriptural benediction. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Amen. Amen.